0: Hello oh, and welcome to the Manchester Red Podcast. I'm your host today, Stephen Ralston, and I'm joined by my colleagues Samuel Lucas and Rich Fay. Samuel, how are you? I'm very well, Stephen. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Feeling good today. And Rich,
1: how's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a very long week, hasn't it? Between games, I know managers complain about fixture congestion around this time of year, but I've got a feeling Ralph Rannick would rather be playing
0: earlier this week than waiting till Monday and having another <laughs> few days of crisis on the cards. 100%, 100% the more games, the, the better for us journalists and for the fans, I do think. Um, the big news coming out of Manchester United this week is that we'll have a confirmed date for Edward Woodward to leave the club. It's going to be February the 1st, and Richard Arnold will take over his position he'll become his successor um, as the chief executive at Old Trafford. Samuel, um, you could probably talk about this for a good half an hour, but I know it's probably not good. But what do you think Edward Woodward's legacy is at United? Failure.
2: Yeah as the banner said at burnley in 2018 i think it was just after that transfer window and and woodward's not deluded either he 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 definitely considers his his time running the club to be a failure uh i think i think he can look at his time now in um, a bit more with a bit more frankness because he's he's practically you know his, his time up uh although Richard Arnold takes over on February the 1st. You know, this is this is kind of goodbye from from Ed Woodward. And I know he's going to be on the football board until the end of June, but he can look about, he, he can, be, he's in reflective mode at the moment, or mood, I should say. And he, he's completely aware that most of um, the decisions he made were, were mistakes. I think it's quite telling that from his perspective, he, he sees the main successes as off the pitch, um, not not just the commercial side of things. But I think there's, there is genuine pride at the way the club conducted themselves during the first lockdown at the start of the pandemic, which is uh, completely justified because they, they were so commendable the way they went about, um, you know, looking after the community, donations to the community, uh, the, the work they did in terms of um, supporting NHS staff as well, um, helping out local hospitals. I know to a lot of fans, they don't want to hear that, but it, it's, it was extremely important work. And I remember at the time just, just covering United thinking, you know, this, I think it felt at the time, speaking to some serve fans, as though they felt an attachment back with, with the club at that point, Unfortunately, you had the treachery of the Super League, which undid all that good work. And quite deliberately, in my piece yesterday, I omitted any mention of the Super League stuff because I just don't believe that he was against it. Um, there, there are some who are happy to, um, to, to to have that information in their pieces and you, you get it told at face value. But when that stuff was coming out in April about how he couldn't support it, so that's why he resigned. uh I just find it utterly unbelievable. I, not, not one part of me will, will ever believe that. So he, he's, his legacy is tarnished by a number of things. Um, the, the recruitment, he insists, is the main reason why his time has been a failure. And I think you look at other clubs, if if their recruitment is good, they, they're going to be successful. If it's not good, they're not going to be successful. And United have had, I mean, their hit rate has been dreadful over the last eight and a half years or however long it's been since Woodward took over right from the start with that 2013 window when you were probably still at primary school Stephen (laughs) Uh, but literally that that time was just chaos the fact that they didn't think the squad needed much retooling as Woodward said at the time they were led down the garden path by Ces Fabregas you had them bidding outbidding Real Madrid pointlessly for Gareth Bale when just the most Jewist, the dueist of due diligence, if you can put it that way, you'd have discovered that Bale had no intention of going to United. He just wanted to join Real Madrid. And then on deadline day, you had the Herrera thing. Um, I, I remember my friend at the time, uh, my flatmate, he said, You went to bed and Fellaini wasn't going to Everton and, sorry, wasn't going to United and, and Quintrao was going to United. And he woke up to find that Fellaini had actually joined United and the Quintrao deal hadn't collapsed. Uh, there, there were deals, sorry, Bids for Kadir De Rossi on deadline day that came to nothing, and then five years later they came full circle in that very very fraught summer under Mourinho. When I mean, for, it, it was being on that tour, it was just it was just car crash stuff, and you had Woodward chasing after him in the mix zone in Miami, um, not giving Mourinho the face time that Mourinho wanted, not giving him the centre back that he wanted, vetoing centre back recommendations that went on to win. Champions League or went on to help Manchester City win the Premier League and were named PFA Player of the Year. It's interesting at the moment, actually, that there seems from a lot of United fans looking at online anyway, a lot of revisionism with Mourinho because of how how badly it's going at the moment, how these egos at the club, these players who've been empowered, just aren't cutting it and they've not been cutting it for a long time. And of course, United sided with a number of those players over Mourinho and then they brought in a manager who was just a soft touch. Uh, I mean, Woodward maintains that if you go back to August and when United had won a couple of games and were top of the league and had made some good signings in the summer, you and he was entitled to be positive about the season. And, and he was. He said in September he'd been he'd never been more confident of success. But you knew, well, we knew anyway, that they weren't going to do anything under Solskjaer because although they had the players to. Be successful, they never ever had the manager, and that it's you know, I I thought at the time sacking Mourinho was going to set them back three years, that's proven to be the case. They're not in that situation in, in sacking Solskjaer. If anything, you, you're more liable to make progress within the next three years. I mean, some United fans are still in denial over it, but even in uh, press lounges at stadiums. You speak to some of the Norwegian reporters and I, I said to one, oh, you know, maybe, maybe Solskjaer will take over the national side uh, as, as coach of the national team. And he said, oh no, 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 uh, Stály Solbakken is a much better manager. This is a Norwegian talking about Stály Solbakken who I think got relegated or certainly taking Wolves down about 10 years ago. And another Norwegian reporter said the, the manager at is is regarded as a better manager than Solskjaer. Uh, th- this is coming from Norwegian reporters. You imagine would be quite sympathetic to Solskjaer, but they weren't. They were quite lucid to his limitations as a manager. Um, so as you said, you could you could speak so much about Woodward's time, and I think he, he what still rankles with him quite a lot is the recruitment under Louis Van Gaal uh, when they signed. I think it was eleven players, spent well over two hundred million pounds, probably closer to to three hundred million pounds. And the successes from that time, I mean, the, the biggest success might have been Sergio Romero, who of course, was a backup goalkeeper. And and it was unusual of Woodward, you know, from what I was told, that he was actually scathing of, he, he actually named names in terms of the, the players he was scathing about. And the, the two that were mentioned were Morgan Schneidlin and, and Daley Blind. Blind, I find a surprise, because I thought he was a re- relatively decent player for United. And um, although he's played in the wrong position at, from time to time, and maybe he, he shouldn't have been as regular regular as regular as he was, he was still a pretty good player for them. But they felt burnt by the hit rate under van Gaal. Um that embol- that made their minds up that going ahead, if a manager wanted to sign a player that the club were not convinced they should sign. They had a right to veto that player, which was what happened under Mourinho. And he's just about the worst manager you can you can do that under because you know what you're going to get when it happens. It's all going to kick off and the manager's going to end up getting sacked halfway through the season, which which is exactly what happened. Um, I suppose the high, the high point would be the Europa League win uh, because that made that season successful. It was two trophies. It was qualification back into the Champions League. It was winning a trophy they'd never won before. And it was a very emotionally charged evening in stockholm after the barbaric attack at, at the manchester arena two nights previously um in terms of a personal highlight covering united during Woodward's time the the cup semi-final in 2016 sticks out probably just a highlight in in covering um football covering united when when marshall scored that that late win and you had supporters flooding the press box singing the, the Anthony Marshall song. And uh, you know the moments like that, it felt like there was a, a purity about United. But unfortunately, the, the commercial side of it just rode roughshod over the football side. And, and Woodward very much regrets that quote when he said that, uh playing performance doesn't affect what they can do on the commercial side. Um, I think after he said that, the script changed. The new director of communications came in and had it so that he wouldn't actually speak on commercial matters. Richard Arnold would be the one who was effectively thrown under a bus and would you know, jabber on about the app and all that guff that just winds up fans to high heaven. Um, so the, I, I don't agree with some of the takes on Woodward that he wasn't to blame. If you look at... United's malaise since Ferguson retired, and, and there were problems there from Ferguson's time—a lack of investment. There was no structure in place because Ferguson didn't feel that he needed a structure. But Ferguson certainly did take his eye off the ball. Um, you know, the last two title wins there were massive. There was massive mitigation be, behind both of those triumphs in terms of lack of a credible contender uh, or, or challenger for United in those seasons. But ultimately. <sighs> You look at Woodward's decision making, he, he got so many wrong, he got very few right. The one manager that he did get it right with, he then didn't back him when he, he deserved to be backed when they were looking to push for the title the next season. So he certainly won't be missed by the supporters, and um with with richard arnold uh, you, you wonder how much will change because even though he's he's coming into it with his eyes open because of what's what's happened to his mate over the last eight and a half years um people at the club accept that his background in investment banking is not an ideal starting point and i think the best thing that he can do is not get involved in football matters whatsoever it's just a case of leave the running of the football club to the football people And then, just if if he needs to sanction something, get on the phone to Tampa and speak to Joel Glazer.
0: That's a lovely little segue into my next point, Rich, from Samuel. And I just laughed when Samuel said Arnold was thrown under the bus because if he was thrown under the bus, he's crawled back under from uh, underneath it to emerge as the chief executive. Obviously, Woodward was the executive vice chairman. Samuel's just kind of alluded to it there. Um, He doesn't think there will be much difference. Both friends, both Bristol University graduates. Would you agree with that point in your opinion? And what do you think we can expect from Arnold across the next few years?
1: Um, Like Samuel said there, like you've said as well, more of the same, but they're trying to market it differently and say that something has changed. I mean, like you said, there's got to be that clear difference between him being in charge of sort of commercial matters and football matters, because that was part of the problem of Woodward. It was those blurred lines. It wasn't until later in his tenure that they tried to sort of take him away from the transfer side. I mean, whenever you go on social media, fans are always blaming Woodward for a transfer not going well, or maybe sometimes they're praising him if they got a player they wanted. And, you know, that was never really his remit anyway, and it shouldn't have been his remit. And in terms of what Richard Arnold comes in and does, from United's point of view, They will probably still argue that Woodward was to a degree a success because, like you say, they always hammer on about the app. They hammer on about having page views. They hammer on about having the most engaged transfer tweets of all time and all that sort of crap that no one cares about. Alexis Sanchez unveiling was meant to be a success because he's playing the piano on Old Trafford and everyone was tweeting about it. So it must be good. And that just sort of sums United up. They don't value football achievements as highly as they do, sort of commercial achievements. And for me, I think that will still continue to be maybe a problem under Richard Arnold. And I know there was always fans dreaming of someone like Edwin van der Sar coming into that role, but that was never going to be the case. Um, The last three men to occupy the role have all been internal appointments. You think of Peter Kenyon, David Gill, Edward Wood and now you've got Richard Arnold as well. So it was never going to be anyone from, from outside the the business really already who was gonna come in yeah. and, and take this role. And you know, that was just fanciful dreaming from the from some supporters and maybe we're just looking at it from the sort of video game point of view where you go and get a big name and everything's okay get all okay again you get van der sarin and suddenly you're playing like ajax and you've got ten hag as manager and yeah you win the european cup or whatever it doesn't doesn't work like that so in terms of what arnold does like like we said previously he comes from this commercial background you know he was charged when he came to the club in 2007 2008 i believe as as the commercial director responsible for growing the sponsorship side of it the retail merchandising the apparel and you know the product licensing business i think it was it was officially sort of labeled and like you said he's a key ally of a key ally of Ed woodward he might have some different ideas he might go about it a different way Hopefully he'll be savvy enough to, like you say, distance himself from the footballing matters and say, that's not my that's not my business. Yeah, I can maybe take the credit for it when it goes well, but just don't get involved. Don't put yourself in, in the firing line, really. So to be honest and in short, I don't expect much to change, but it might be perceived that something has changed just because he'll be maybe a quieter name behind the scenes than Ed Woodward was.
0: Yeah. Back on the pitch then, Samuel, obviously United have been reeling from that um, 1-0 defeat to Wolves at Old Trafford. It was a miserable performance, one that probably wasn't surprising um, after weeks of kind of no real improvement under Ralf Um You wrote a piece this week about the players I think the line was sick to death of the, the falling standards. You can correct us if I'm wrong. But do you think it's a storm in a teacup or do you think, uh, how can you interpret the mood in the dressing room at the moment? Is it going to improve? What would you put your finger on?
2: This always happens when things aren't going well and performances are bad. The negativity seeps out, and and United are quite relaxed. Is maybe the wrong word, but there's an element of, you know, just you know, what's what's the big deal really? This this is what happens. They're they're very you know, they're, they're quite accustomed to it from the last eight and a half years. And even and during Ferguson's time, there were some major crises that that happened, and that was long after they'd had that breakthrough title. In 1993 so this this comes with the territory um there are a lot of dissatisfied players there because there are a lot of players there that want to leave but i think some some aspects of it have maybe been overstated this week and that you know it's, it's clear which players want to leave the the out-of-contract players want to leave because they've not signed a contract and because they're not playing In Paul Pogba's case, you know he wants to leave because he said so in 2019, and it was four years ago that his agent was trying to hawk him to to Manchester City, and and Pogba has never denied that as well. So it, it makes. You know, it's, it's it's obviously logical for Pogba to want out. He turns 29 in March. There's absolutely nothing wrong with him wanting out. It it makes sense for him to leave. It what would not make sense if United were to try and make an 11th hour attempt to, to keep him. They just need to clear the decks there with other players. Uh, Dean Henderson needs minutes. That there's the mitigation of of him contracting COVID in July, which not just scuppered his um, the likelihood of him starting the season, but it's wiped off six months of his career because he wasn't going to go out on loan. And I suspect if he was fit, given the way Solskjaer badly handled that goalkeeping dynamic, he probably wouldn't have gone on loan either. Even though Solskjaer said it was um, an unsustainable dynamic, because Solskjaer was was a soft touch with with the goalkeeping situation. He was dependent on a lady giving birth um, and and a virus. To make his mind up as to who was going to start in goal. Because that's that's the only reason why Henderson got that run in the team in March it was because De Gea went on, on paternity leave and then De Gea got back in the team at the start of the season because Henderson had COVID. Beyond Henderson, Eric by that, that contract should not have happened last summer. You could see that happening. Like when when was he going to start this season outright? Just hasn't happened, just won't happen it's kind of pointless talking about buying away at the moment because he's on AFCON duty. So he's never going to leave this, this month. Um, Phil Jones, all of a sudden has become rather important for United because he was, as the picture showed on Monday night, he was head and shoulders above all of his teammates, literally, and and with his performance. And that's, that's a credit to him after going 708 days without playing a game. But, Nobody's getting fooled into thinking that he's he's got a future at United. It 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 makes sense. It still probably makes sense for him to go this month, but he probably won't because he's fourth fourth choice centre back at the moment. Van der Beek wanted out in the summer as well. Um, He was was prepared to go on loan to Everton. Marshall's agent has been very vocal about him wanting out, and Rangnick has said that the player did speak to him and and said that he wanted to leave as well. So, from United's perspective when when players are running down their contracts and it's very obvious that players want to leave, unless you are winning and winning well, that that negativity is is going to get out there. Um, and in terms of the dressing room, I mean it's it's been it's been apparent for a while that there are cliques there, but I think there are the cliques and dressing rooms dressing rooms is, is nothing new. It becomes a problem, it always seems when the team aren't doing well. Um, so, I, I think maybe that's been, been overstated. Like, if, if you were put in a dressing room, the chances are that you'd gravitate to one of the uh, UK born early 20 somethings because that's just the way it works. When Fernandez joined United, he gravitated towards Fred and Diego Dallo because they're Portuguese speakers. Uh, De Gea and Mata are very, very friendly because they're Spanish. Uh, M- Maguire's English, so he gets on pretty well with luke shaw and dean henderson um because they're, they're in the england camp as well uh I, I, rushford and, and lingard have been mates because they're academy graduates and, and local lads as well I, I don't think those cliques are necessarily unhealthy um you know the, the more multicultural one i suppose is is pogba's very friendly with Lindloth and matter and and Andres Pereira, but that's because their neighbors inhale. So I think that's overstated. I don't think I think trying to force people just have a meal with each other so that everyone can just just for the sake of it is is pretty pointless really. Um, you know I, I don't see it as a particularly toxic atmosphere. I see the, the main problem is, is that these players have been empowered to think that they're better than they are but if you just look at what they've done or what they've not done in recent years, it doesn't stack up so the next manager who comes in or coach has to have has to be authoritative and they've tried that with Rangnick but ultimately if if things aren't going well and apart from that that Crystal Palace game and really it was only the first half where you thought Christ United look unrecognisable from what what they've been playing like um previously this season they've it's been the same old you've had De Gea bailing them out in games uh, you've you've had Ronaldo scoring the odd winner as well, but the moment they came up against a, a pretty good side with um, tactical originality, they came a cropper And wolves, wolves were brilliant. They, it would have been an absolute travesty if Fernandez had scored that late free kick and and nicked a point there. So uh, th- this thing, these things happen. Uh, I remember at the start of Mourinho's reign, they lost, they lost a few games on the spin, and uh, there, were, there were stories about um, players being. Uh, a little bit surprised by his treatment of Luke Shaw. I don't think anybody was really surprised if they remembered his his meeting with Shaw when when Rooney was Chelsea manager a couple of years before then so the only way to arrest it is to is to play well and, and get results but Monday's an interesting one because it's it's got the jeopardy of, of a cup tie and thankfully
0: uh, there's there's no replays but the the downside is that it could go to extra time. Yeah, you know, me and Rich were texting during that game. Actually, the Wolves game, and I predicted one nil before the game, and we were laughing, saying it would be typical United yeah. to, get a, to get a fortunate result that I didn't yeah. deserve. I said, I said it. Like
2: I said at half time, I said I could because Wolves hadn't scored. I said I could see United just eking out one yeah. nil here, and um, they might have done that if Fernandes Fernandez had put the ball under the crossbar. But but Wolves were were excellent, and it's, it's not the first time they've impressed at, at Old Trafford in recent years either.
0: Richard, for delving the transfer business a little bit deeper, then obviously Samuel's mentioned their names that aren't happy. It would probably be a surprise if they were happy, considering the circumstances. Um, are any exits reali- realistic? Do you think? And also, incomes as well. I know you did a line on um, Alvarez in, in United stance on that. So, what's your take on the transfer business in this window?
1: Well, I guess, like as everyone knows, really, I mean, Ralph Raniak said himself, didn't he, that it's very difficult to buy a player who's the right sort of fit for a good price midway for a season. That's even harder during a pandemic where teams are in no real rush to sell players because having to replace them themselves is a problem. You've got the COVID issues as well, so squad depth is being really pushed to the limits. And that's why United seems so reluctant, really, to to get rid of some of the players who should be leaving. Um, like I said, Anthony Marshall maybe is the exception because... Oddly enough, there seem to be teams who actually want to buy him. Um, I'm not sure if they've actually watched him play in the last two <laughs> years or, or whatever. But, um, you know, he's he's a player who just doesn't have a role at United anyway. Um, he didn't really have a role to play so much last season. And then when you bring in Sancho and you bring in Ronaldo, he's you know dilapidated even more. You, you don't need him. The other issue as well with Marshall is that United's sort of best young talents are all in attacking positions as well. And there is that sort of that view, certainly from fans, that... People like Marshall and I think to a degree Lingard, but he's got more lenience because he's actually played well this season, although he's not played enough football at all. You know, there's that that belief that they're that the sort of fringe players are taking up a spot which a youth player could be fulfilling. And I think that's the same as well, like Samuel said in terms of Eric baye someone who won't be leaving this month really because of the AFCON it would have been nice to see mengi involved a bit more. Instead, he's gone on loan to Birmingham. And, yeah, there'll be lots of activity at youth level. We've seen Ethan Laird go out to Bournemouth as well. And, and you know, that's a better package for United and it seems a better package for the player as well. So in terms of players who could actually leave, Anthony Marshall seems the one who's, Who's definitely going to leave, really? But in terms of everyone else, I mean, that, you know, Van der Beek and Cavani have both been told, and Raniuk said on record that he wants to keep them both, you know. And it just sort of, United are just like a toddler who isn't playing with his toys, but then as soon as someone else wants them, they're like, no, we still want him, actually. We still want to have him here for no point whatsoever. They just need to be ruthless. But the pandemic has given them that excuse to not be because they can now say, well, we need to keep you just in case. If someone, goes down for a week and a half, whatever, and needs to isolate, they could miss two or three games. So we need to keep you let's try and keep everyone on the side and they're trying to spin far too many plates. And that's why so many people are unhappy at the club. Like Samuel said, it's not a surprise who is unhappy because, you know, it's it's not really new news. It's just all sort of been regurgitated again at the same time and the names pile up and it gets to an alarming number really of players who are unhappy. But that all makes sense. So Marshall's the only one I, I can personally sort of see it at senior level leaving this month. Um, Ahmad, he's not gone to Afcon. Expect him to go on loan. Of course, he's meant to go out to Feyenoord to start the season. That didn't didn't happen. Um, like Samuel said, Van der Cavani, Henderson will all be kept against their will. You know, to stay as hostages until the summer. Basically, um, youth level, you'll get some some more exits. In terms of players coming in, again, there's so much mitigation. It's so difficult to buy this month. And again, in terms of getting someone who they deem is is the right fit and not just the right fit now, but someone who would be the right fit no matter who comes in as permanent manager, you, you, know, you need someone who's just undeniably got that quality and probably can play in two, probably two positions, can fit a couple of tactical styles just in case a new manager comes in and wants to go about it in a new way as well. And yeah, like I said, Julian Alvarez as well. The news is that it's very much agent speak. There's no interest whatsoever for United at the moment in, in signing him. We see it all the time. Every window, a player who United supposedly want, then moves to sort of a, I don't know how to describe them, just a, a sort of a more sort of Europa League tier European club, shall we say, or Sorry they player. get a new contract where they are. And the other thing with Alvarez, he's out of contract in December and he wants to go to the World Cup of Argentina. So they need to get his, his future decided as soon as possible. So sometimes with these rumours, you've just got to take a step back, read between the lines and realise that particularly someone like Alvarez, who's been linked with Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern Munich, Inter, <laughs> and AC Milan just this week, saying he's going to United is just a red herring.
2: Was was That, that was inflamed at the weekend by a fake account, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, saying I, that
1: he's got well. a meeting after the Wolves game. Yeah, which is his yeah, agents just coming across to Europe to try and tout him to any team who's who's going to bite, really. But it's you see it every single year. It's just incessant reporting in, in the hope that something will happen, really. And the only two sort of areas that's come from is South America, where he's based anyway. There's interest in him getting the move, like I said, to the World Cup at the end of the year, and Italy, because it's believed that the two Milan clubs do have an act, active interest in him. They've both got records of signing sort of players from South America anyway. And, you know, if that move's not progress-
0: progressing as quickly as they want, just say United want them as well and-, and something will happen, won't it? Yeah, it's all tricks by his agent, isn't it? We've saw little before. It's nothing new. Nature of the beast. Um, Samuel, on the, like, as I say, back on the pitch on Monday, United welcome Aston Villa to Old Trafford in the FA Cup. Personnel-wise for that game, obviously we've touched on Phil Jones and how impressive he was in his comeback. Long-term, he's probably not going to beat United, let's face it. However, would you start him against there, uh, against Filler on Monday?
2: I probably would uh, and then looking ahead to the Villa away game go with Lindelof and Varane Um, Maguire should have been dropped by now and it it shouldn't have taken uh, an injury to him and Covid to Lindelof and by being away with the Ivory Coast for it, for him to have been taken out of the side, uh, I, I don't think he should be restored next week for that league game, regardless of, of what the situation is at, at centre back. Unless United are reduced to, to two options again, you'd you'd imagine Lindelof will be um, be available. We, we're recording this before before the press conference on Friday, so it's not been confirmed yet. And by the looks of things, I think United have had to scale back on media activity at Carrington because of the recent COVID outbreak. So the only, the only personnel there are, are essential. Um, it happened when it reopened following the lockdown in 2020. I mean, I think pictures were being taken by, by the press officer on, on her iPhone. So, um, it's a bit vague in terms of the who's training and who's not training at the moment. But I, I think Jones merits merits another, another go. Um, I suppose that that would be the the ultimate test in a way that if he can repeat the performance from from Monday night, if he can come up with another one a week later, and then maybe he has to be taken into consideration for for the game at Villa Park on on the Saturday of next week. I think Pogba is is going off Rang, Rangnick's time frame, and I'm inclined to believe Rangnick's. Pogba injury timeframes more than than Solskjaer's because I mean Solskjaer's could have been delivered by Dr Nick and the Simpsons, but Pogba could certainly be in contention to play next week. And the way that midfield is at the moment, he probably walks back into it, even though United have only got possibly four more months of him. So it, there's some sense in, in maximising Pogba. Uh, I'm not sure that that, that formation... Is, is conducive to his strengths. I'm not sure it's conducive to, to many of those players' strengths, really. And that that I suppose that'll be the most fascinating thing about the team that Rangnick picked. It's whether he actually sticks with the four two 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 formation that Wolves, I wouldn't say Wolves rumbled it, I'd say Newcastle or Norwich rumbled it, really, because both of them um, were unlucky not to have have beaten United last month. But it's, it's one of those games that mass rotation, it feels seems inevitable, but this this is a cup that United have a realistic chance of winning. And I think it would maybe be ill advised to take everyone, every big every big hitter out of the team just for the sake of it. Villa are bound to rotate as well. Um but sometimes I just don't get where I don't get the thought process of clubs in who aren't in Europe and Mm. they've got pretty big squads as well and and Villa have got a big squad they they spent a lot of money in the summer as well it it would be counterproductive for them to you know kind of toss it off in the FA Cup when I don't think they've won a trophy since it must be the League Cup in 1996 I think it was um so it it might be more of a um hesitate to say spectacle but more of a contest than than these games usually are. If if it's normally United at home in the FA Cup third round, unless they're coming up against one of the the elite in the Premier League, it tends it tends to be a foregone conclusion. But ugh, Villa won at Old Trafford earlier in the season, and you know, everyone can scent blood coming up against United at the moment.
0: Rich, you're going to agree with me here. Yeah? We're going to see Donny van der Beek has to start on Monday, doesn't he? He has to, Shirley. Hashtag free Donny. We just mentioned uh, mm. he was in. No, not in your opinion. Go and then take it away. I was thinking a 4-3-3 with Donny in the middle. What do you think?
1: Like I said, I think that
0: most supporters would
1: agree with that. And again, it does seem to a degree, I know that Donny van der Beek's not always performed when he's had a chance, but he does still sort of represent somewhat of an untapped sort of player at the moment. It does feel like he's not had quite the fair opportunity, but to be honest, like you said, that, that's what we want to see, really, because rannick as well, I know he's not in it for the long run anyway in terms of being a permanent manager. He's only here to the end of the season, but after the week he's had, he needs to do himself a favour, really, and one easy way to win a section supporters over is by giving these players that fans want to see a fair opportunity. We've already seen in the past few weeks what, okay, maybe their stock's dwindled a little bit, but Allo and Tellez, even Sancho, we've seen that they were sort of untapped players who Solskjaer just didn't use properly. And Donny van der Beek still fits into that category. I don't think he is this magic one dancer that lots of people think he is, but like you said, he's got to get a chance soon enough. And that game against Villa has to be an opportunity for him to do it. United midfield has been a problem all season. It's just crying out for, for him to actually get a game. And again, the, the problem from United fans' point of view, it's not necessarily that van der Beek's being overlooked, but it's the, it's still a question mark next to him. Fans don't actually know quite how good he is. Okay, he's not lived up to the, the hype and the potential, still don't quite know what role he is, but it does just feel like he's got more to give and he's not had the opportunity for it. So like you said, I think there should be a few changes, but of course you've got to get that balance right. And if you look at the FA Cup last season, I do actually think those first two rounds that Solskjaer oversaw the Watford win, the Liverpool win, he did get his rotation Quite well, you know. He changed a few players for each of them. Watford, were, were, he could change more players. That made more sense, I think. Twanzebe started. Juan Mata started that game. You know, McTominay scored the winner. The Liverpool game there was a bit more of a, a stronger sort of feel to it, but there's still some players coming in who who'd been on the periphery. So I think it's about striking that balance. But I just think from Ranick's point of view, like you said, just start Van der Beek because then you win some fans over, and then the full time. Then the narrative can be. The narrative isn't. Ranić failed to choose these players it's these players failed to live up to expectation and the blame can go on the players then rather than the manager so like I said we're not managers but if I was I would just I would just maybe give the fans what they want to a degree for that game because it just eases the pressure on yourself and if Donny van der Beek can't do it at home to Aston Villa in the FA Cup he's never going to do it so yeah I'd almost give it that ultimatum to the player and I'd have a few changes like that.
0: If I was Ryan Reynolds, Rich, I'd give you the Wrexham job as manager. Thank you very much. I got not do much worse job than... (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's open to positive result for United fans on Monday night. Um, The deserve a cup run. It's it's been a hard few years. Um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, Samuel, thanks for your time.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. I'll let Luke Edwards know that you've just uh, uttered his hashtag on a, on a podcast as well. I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear <laughs> you He'll love that. It was trending last night. I did see it. And Rich, thanks <laughs> for your time. <laughs> Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, here's to a, another chaotic week reporting on Man United.
0: Wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and thanks for listening as usual. Take care.